0: Wizards Half, the show where I, Michael, try to fumble my way through the stuff we missed during our main episode. This week, we're going to be covering issue 16, Adam kind of noticed that the last few weeks I was running short on things to talk about because I forgot what we did and didn't talk about. Kindly enough, he gave me a list of things we're going to go through. The first thing that I want to make sure to announce and tell everybody to check out is The Wizard Files. A bunch of former Wizard employees have reached out to us on social media and have asked to be on the show. Adam and I have started scheduling interviews and their stories are fascinating, their history lesson on the company is crazy and we've had a lot of laughs and fun doing it and it's an interview series so there's not going to be talking about the actual issues but more about the company and their experience and so on and so forth they're gonna be dropping on Mondays depending on how often we can get them out but it's really something you got to check out because these stories are incredible so the first thing we want to dive into The first annual wizard costume contest. Now anybody who knows me knows I personally am NOT a costume person. I don't even really like Halloween. I haven't dressed up in a costume since I was probably about seven or eight years old other than one year where I dressed up as Clark Kent where basically I just wore a suit from work and put a Superman shirt underneath it and unbuttoned it. That was about the extent of the costume that I did. I do admire cosplayers, because they have such talent and devotion to the characters that they portray, that it's a wonder to me at how normal, everyday people can create these beautiful, perfect replicas of costumes we see in the comics, but Hollywood studios can't do it. It doesn't make sense to me, it blows my mind.
1: Wait a minute, Michael, you don't like costumes? That's crazy. Because for me, it is a way of life. Ever since I was a kid, I've been making my own superhero costumes and running around the house. I still have my Batman cape I got when I was three years old. This was a very exciting feature for me to see the first annual Wizard costume contest. They list this feature as all dressed up with no place to go. Ah! Yep, the scary season is upon us, where gangs of lawless young toughs robe the streets, coating cars with shaving cream, using eggs as projectiles, and doing unspeakable acts to household pets unlucky enough to be left out in the cold. Nah, it ain't Christmas yet, you ninny. It's Halloween, and what better way to celebrate the holiday season than to dress up like a carnival freak and have your picture shown to about a million fellow comics fans. So, without further ado, so, there are not that many entrants, again, this is early days of Wizard, but what surprises me me the most is they are all kids. You would have thought again that a lot of the comics readers at this time would be older adults and I guess just the adult cosplay scene hadn't grown to what it would be. So here we have first off there is a kid named Miles Smith. He's 13 and he is dressed up as Gambit. And this is a really nice Gambit outfit from the perspective of, look, he's obviously just got a pink shirt, some black sweatpants, and a you know, tan overcoat. He took a ski mask and cut out the face so it just kind of goes around you know does the standard gambit hood I guess you would call it but what I find awesome about it is obviously he had somebody stitch in these details like that weird blue plate that's on the top of his chest he's got that figured out even the sweatpants have the pink square design that goes down the leg on there so it's pretty neat like this is actually a really nice outfit now this is interesting Miles State's Quote, the reason I like the Gambit character is because he has such a strange costume and that he gets all the X chicks Ooh, starting early, eh there, Miles? Now, the next one is probably my favorite of this group, which is a guy named Greg Sif, who's 14, dressed as the tim drake robin now this is a pretty awesome outfit it's a little bit dark but he's standing there he's holding the bow staff he's got the red torso area he's got the cape and everything so from what i can see it looks good now his belt buckle looks like it's a dark knight collection batman utility belt because it's got the bat insignia on it Uh, the only other thing is that his robin logo over the breast is on the wrong side so normally on tim it's on the left side but for some reason he put it on the right side. But he says he chose Robin because, quote, he kicks butt. Yes, he does, Greg. You got that right. All right, next is a great Captain America costume. But funny enough, it comes from Troy Delamar of Regina... Canada, Charlton Hero, you gotta tell us, SK. What does SK stand for in Canada for the provinces? I don't know that one. But anyway, it's just funny that he's Captain America, but he's a Canadian kid. It says, quote, I chose Captain America because he would be challenging to make his costume. And he's just really awesome. This is about on par with the costume we got in the Matt Salinger Captain America film in 1990. So just putting that out there. 15-year-old kid put together a pretty good good costume here next is probably the most hilarious and it feels like this is where the mocking of the costume contest entrance begins because it's a wolverine costume which obviously is made mostly out of cardboard but what's notable about it is that he painted on the eyes so there it's like the blue and yellow wolverine costume but then the eyes have little holes in it obviously so you can see through it but they just look like some type of maniac. You know, it's, it's, it makes you realize okay, this is why they always draw the eyes as white and not try to draw the pupils in every time. But it says here, Wizards comment, a little bit too much caffeine in Wolvie's diet of late, I think. And so this is from Manuel Ramirez, who's 15, and Manuel chose the Wolverine costume because his costume was quote, challenging to create. Everybody made their decisions by choosing the hardest costume that you could think of and then going forward? I guess so. Finally here We have a guy named Paul Rogus of Burbank, California. Okay, not so much a kid. Yeah, this guy's 32. But he has taken a whole bunch of pictures in a bunch of different Spidey poses. And they say, Polka with Spidey. Just follow along. Watch your feet. You don't need a costume to Polka, but don't let your friends see you do it. So this is interesting is that this actually looks like, I don't know if you guys have seen that fan film from years and years ago. I think it was probably made in like 89 or 90. But there's this famous fan film where Spider-Man's, like, fighting the Green Goblin, and it was pretty cool looking. This costume looks very similar to that. Like, it's a... If you're gonna go, like, is there an equivalent in all these costumes to current cosplay, this would be the closest. Because, I mean, the webbing is there, the costume is all accurate in terms of proportions between the blue and the red, and even the spider eyes. So, very nice job here, Paul. But... All of these guys, unfortunately, did not make the cut as far as the winner, because Wizard says, this photo is possibly the cutest thing I've ever seen mailed into Wizard, Nightcrawler. So this is a kid named Piers A. Zorowski. Now, they don't give his age, but he looks like he's got to be six years old. I mean, this is a tiny little kid in a very impressive Nightcrawler costume. He's obviously painted his face blue, but then he's got the three-fingered gloves on. He's got the red V piece going over his torso there. And Piers states, I enjoy Nightcrawler because he disappears and climbs up walls. Well, Piers, you won the first annual Wizard Costume Contest hands down and headed your way as a Toy Biz Nightcrawler action figure, set of Nightcrawler Limited series, as well as a copy of Wizard number 16 autographed by the entire crew here at Wizard. Congratulations, Piers. So I gotta say, I mean, that's super cute. It's wonderful that they put together a customized prize pack for him that was nightcrawler themed i'm sure that meant the world to him be cool to know if pierce is still a nightcrawler fan to this day still reading comics who knows did this solidify his love of the medium but yeah so cool to see this costume contest get its start as the years go on man the costumes get cooler the comments by the wizard staff get snarkier and my smile gets bigger so i can't wait till next year And I wanted to mention one more thing. On our upcoming episode for issue 17, I'm actually going to be revealing a very special cosplay story of mine. An exciting moment and a tragic moment all in one. So be there. And now, back to you, Michael.
0: Next is the Homemade Heroes custom figure section. And this particular issue for issue 16, there was five notable ones that I thought were really interesting. So the first one we have here is Judge Dredd. I've never seen a homemade heroes figure that's a Judge Dredd before, or in fact, a 90s action figure that is Judge Dredd. And this particular one, the caption says, he is the law. And if you don't believe that, then believe he is the creation of Rob Herbert from Wilmington, North Carolina. Judge Dredd was originally a Toy Biz Batman. It looks fantastic. He did the helmet really well, the shoulder pad of the like the badge, it's it looks spot on. This is something that if I saw it in a store, even though I wasn't a Judge Dredd fan at the time, I would have bought this action figure just cuz it looks so cool. The next one we've got is Spectre. And he's in his full naked glory as Spectre. He's got a green codpiece, green gloves, green boots. The rest of his body is all gray with the hood over his head and a and a, a really nice like felt cape. This eerie version of the Spectre is from David Rosenberg. Of Brooklyn, New York, and was made from a Secret Wars Doctor Doom head and an SW Magneto body. Wow. Really, really impressive. Really cool. The next one we've got is Savage Dragon. And this Savage Dragon looks spot on. He's got his signature denim jeans, his black boots, his belt, his white tank top and the perfect fin over the top of his head. The Savage Dragon, a super cop an all around tough guy comes straight from Marvin Monroe in Highlands, Texas and was formerly a superpowers Shazam. Wow, that's pretty cool, I'm I'm impressed by that. The next one is a Ghost Rider. This is amazing, they even have like the skull head flames coming off of the head. He's got the chain around his chest with a leather jacket that spikes on his gloves, spikes on his wrists, spikes around the boots and, and black boots. It looks, like, incredible. How this person did this is unbelievable. Ghost Rider, America's favorite vengeance seeker, is the product of Anthony Michael Diaz from San Lorenzo, California and was made from a Battle Damage Terminator, huh. To have the vision to like see that through something else is pretty cool. Now the last one, this one is of Psylocke and it looks better than some action figures I've seen today. The body is perfect, the the painting of of the boots and her body suit is spot on. The head is a little bit hard to make out. It's kind of a bad angle of the photo the hair also looks almost like pulled behind like a bun. But it, it looks pretty good. She's got a sword in hand too. I'm not really sure what kind of sword that is. It's, again, it's a it's a grainy picture. And again, this is pre-DSLR or any kind of like even a canon power shot at that time. So it's hard to tell. But this one says, this is what we've been looking for. This beautiful Psylocke hails from X fan Ben Wong in Hillsboro, California, and was originally a Storm figure. Wow, really, really great. As an avid action figure fan, when I see people make these things, it blows my mind. So now we're going to dive into the amazing art section. And this month, there's not a lot of amazing art, but the ones that they submitted are pretty, pretty good. So the first one is a Terminator. And it's just mostly a head. And there's a wizard cloak behind it kind of on fire. And it's sort of silhouetted with some cool coloring. And the flames of the cloak are lighting the metal on the Terminator head, which is pretty cool. This is by Jerry Scullion from Ivyland, Pennsylvania. The next one is of Etrigan. Again, another mostly just a head, but it's really, really cool. He's almost like grinning like he's enjoying eating somebody or something that he does when he's the demon Etrigan, And the, the cloak is behind it. Again, same kind of like a flag-looking look. Very well done. This is by Zen Fengi. I probably really butchered that name, but oh well. Sorry, Ben. A uh, Bill. It's actually Bill. I'm sorry. Playboy! Bill. Zen Fennig from Oregon, Ohio. The next one is Captain Marvel Shazam, and it's a full-body picture. He's kind of standing in smoke, I guess, after he had just would have yelled Shazam, and he looks really, really good. Better than they've I've seen him drawn in the comic books often. I'm very impressed by this thing. It's, I would have thought maybe they would have done... Shazam's cape as a wizard cape, but no they just put the stars inside of the wizard logo. And this is by Lawrence Reynolds from Southfield, Missouri. The next one is a wizard sitting and reading books about sorcery and potions and other realms. Pretty interesting. This is by Art Latham from Fall River, Massachusetts the winner of Wizards Gold Foil Trading Card. Then there's two more. The next one, I don't know who this character is. It's a woman with six arms, two of which are mechanical. She's got like fur on her boots and a horned helmet. I don't know who this character is. Playboy! And this is by Stephen Cinelli, 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 and James Tung from Bayside, New York. The last one is a Valiant character, because this is the winner of the Valiant Golden Eternal Warrior number 1, which seems to be a recurring award that I don't really know what it's about or what it symbolizes, but it's a guy holding a mechanical arm of some robot android, which is marked K7. I don't know who these Valiant characters are. I really am, you know, I'm bad at it. It's cool. He punches them through a brick wall of some sort with wizard stars around it. It looks really, really nice. I just don't know who the character is. Play more! And this is by Ben Goh from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Good job, all these people on the amazing arts section. If anybody who listens to our show who has ever submitted an amazing art, please contact us. I'd love to talk to you guys about them because I need to know more about it and I don't fully understand it. Let's dive into Adam's 2099 hotline
1: Adam coming at you on the 2099 Hotline. This is the segment where I take you through Marvel's World of Tomorrow, and today you will meet your doom. 2099, that is. Of course, Doctor Doom is one of the oldest Marvel villains dating back to the early days of the Fantastic Four, but here he is in 1992 starring in his own comic book. I've heard many people say they feel this book, written by John Francis Moore, who had worked with Howard Chaikin writing episodes of the 1990 Flash TV series, drawn by Pat Broderick, who worked on Green Lantern and Alpha Flight, was the best of the 2099 bunch, and it does have many strengths. The book starts out in Latveria in the year 2099 with a person appearing in Doctor Doom's classic armor on the site of his old castle, which is now in ruins. He seems disoriented and weakened by the time travel. He begins to piece together the fact that he's not in the 20th century anymore and finding that his kingdom has been usurped by the cyborg executive dictator, Tiger Wild. He marches to the guy's office and confronts him. Tiger Wild looks like the inspiration for the CGI version of Job and the Lawnmower Man. I think I think they were trying to involve actual tiger stripes in his orange and black robotic body design, but all I see is the New Line Cinema cyberspace villain. So Wild is packed with cybernetic power, too, and thrashes Doom, even removing the former monarch's mask to find a non-scarred face beneath. So the corporate killer decides to make the legend true, and burns Doom's face before having him thrown out. At this point, Doom is taken in by a band of cyber-gypsies wearing bandages on his face that make him look like Dark Man, and he begins plotting his revenge. The group consists of a woman named Fortune, that is the personal fortune teller for Tiger Wild, Wire, a cyber savant or hacker with special implants that let him surf the internet more freely, Chandra, who is Wire's girlfriend, who's mostly a pilot of vehicles for the team. There's also a kid named Vox, who has mystic powers to cast spells that Doom eventually uses to try to recover his memory. Doom gets the group on his side by revealing his secret stockpile of weapons and vehicles hidden in a mountain that they use to break into a base owned by Pixel, who are a tech giant, where he offers to break out slave scientists if they enhance his body with nanoid robot injections into his bloodstream and construct new armor made of adamantium langside and cyber mesh. The main difference is that Doom's armor is now lighter, a more reflective metal with red eye slits, and his cloak is blue instead of green. Also, he can now phase through solid objects like the Vision with a phase shifter installed in his armor. Earlier concept designs by John Romita for Doom 2099 had him in a shiny black armor with a white cloak, but they said it would be too difficult for the penciler to draw. Plus, if you ask me, he looked too much like Moon Knight. Pat Broderick's initial design involved showing a lot more circuitry, but he also realized that would be too detailed to draw from issue to issue. Doom says he remembers getting old and then being at the end of the Age of Heroes and traveling to find what he calls Wraiths that sought to bring down his empire. But then his memory blanks out and all he remembers is the pain. He even tells the doctors that worked on him not to repair his face because the scars remind him of his pain. The next mission is to steal a rare mineral from Saturn's moon called Tritonium that has regenerative energy properties, which has been excavated through the combined efforts of Tiger Wild and the head of Pixel named Devargus, who is a germaphobe that seals himself in a plastic bodysuit. Doom and his troop are successful, and he declares war on Tiger Wild having stolen his precious Tritonium and uses it as bait. In the meantime, he delivers food and supplies to the poor citizens of Lat- area to get them to welcome back their true monarch and revolt against Tiger Wild. Wire literally surfs the net and gets to Tiger Wild's computer systems so Doom can enact his plan to shut down the entire country's infrastructure by taking out the magnetic current that powers vehicles and shuts down their drainage systems so they literally choke on their own toxic waste. Then Doom appears as a holographic projection and savior. That's what he had planned. But instead, Tiger Wild faces Doom himself. The Tritonium is a Attached to a bomb, but they have an intense brawl where Wilde nearly kills Doom, but the nanoids repair his broken body, and as Doom planned all along, the bomb explodes anyway, killing Wilde, with Doom literally rising from the ashes, having activated his armor's phaser tech to avoid the effects of the blast. Doom is triumphant in taking back his kingdom, but there are other dangers lurking. So I'll take a minute here to comment on the art by Pat Broderick, which is by far the best of all the 2099 books. Not only does he do an amazing job on the reflectiveness of Doom's armor, but the page and panel layouts are superb. He's regularly working in full page action with layered panels over a central image or vertical splash pages that Rob Liefeld had recently made popular during his Marvel years, so it's gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Now, in issues 5 to 10, we're dealing with Doom going into cyberspace to regain control of his armor, which has been infected by a virus from a super hacker named Fever, who was hired by DeVargus from Pixel to get revenge. Now, this causes Doom to lose control of the armor and attack his allies, or be made motionless, so DeVargus also takes time to study Doom's history in what are called the Richards Archives, little callback there, acknowledging that any Doom encountered in the 20th century may have been a robot or Doombot, adding more details as to whether this is the original Victor Von Doom or not. During the journey that Doom and take through cyberspace. They end up in what they call a retro real space sim that is based on the Fantastic Four, but hilariously this is obviously a case of the details of the heroic age being lost to history as the Hulk is a member of the team, but he talks like the Thing with a cigar in his mouth. And then in a genius mashup, the Human Torch has Ghost Rider's head and shoots fireballs of vengeance as he calls them. While Sue Storm has Medusa's living hair and no invisibility powers. Reed Richards is still just stretchy, but he's got a ponytail and goggles now. So Doom defeats the simulated four by threatening them with the ultimate nullifier that they say was given to them by Galactus to defeat the Watcher in a fun reconfiguring of Marvel history. Then he activates the time portal in Reed's lab and sends him on an unplanned trip through the ages. Then Doom is confronted by a goofier version of himself in the original costume design from fantastic four number five and he leaves the sim in disgust so this is definitely the highlight of the series thus far it's just a real goofy fun little romp that they go through but actually there are a fun bunch of cameos from other 2099 characters in issue eight while doom is battling the cyber assassin fever throughout all these different systems we see miguel o'hara's holographic assistant Layla accidentally become doom as he's passing through her system. A Ravage gets word that Doom is a virus wreaking havoc on computer systems worldwide while driving in his garbage truck, and Punisher 2099 sees Doom's battle with fever on a TV screen thinking it's just a show and says, I swear to Thor, I hate that vid. The rest of the series is just Pat Broderick having a field day imagining the cyberspace universe with beautiful futuristic design. There's even a fill-in issue by artist Ernie Colon where Doom battles simulations of Jack the Ripper, Sweeney Todd, Jacob Marley, and Dr. Moriarty. He keeps the same style though, it's a real fun issue. Now Doom and Wire ultimately interact with a cyber goddess named Paloma who Doom absorbs giving him the cyber goddess like powers more of that lawnmower man vibe but it starts driving him insane as he can see everything in the world all at once he's becoming mad with power but Paloma returns threatening to kill Doom's body by taking control of the system he's hooked into but he strikes a deal to give her mobility in the real world now that she's sentient and wishes to explore the human realm so finally Doom confronts and overcomes Vargas. it's like what he calls wetware into his brain that lets Paloma take over over his body so she can move freely in the real world. It's kind of an uneasy alliance though. Now Castle Doom is rebuilt and Doom is once again triumphant over another foe, but his allies have seen him lose control now and are unsure of how much they can trust this man in the mask. So this is a pretty wild ride these first 10 issues of Doom 2099, but they show a lot of forethought by the writer and artist. Definitely not one-and-done issues with villains of the week. and based on the covers I've seen my collection doom is definitely not done conquering as he said after defeating tiger wild quote if that anarchic world of tomorrow is to be avoided this world must be rebuilt and restructured and i am the architect of that future so until next time see you in the future
0: now we're gonna go into everybody's favorite wizard contest. And I have no one to help me this week. I am by myself. And it will be, I'm sure, horrendous as always. So in Wizard Quiz number 16, the prizes are first, a grand prize of an autographed set of Image's first books, Youngblood number one, Spawn number one, Savage Dragon number one, Wildcats number one, and Shadowhawk number one. That's actually a pretty cool... Prize If all five of those books are autographed, that's really really neat. The first prize winners, which there would be three of them, a gold savage dragon trading card or a gold shadowhawk trading card. Your choice. The second prize winners, which would there be six of those, a set of wizard number one through 12 plus the first special edition or a year subscription to wizard. Wow. I might actually take the second prize over the first prize. I don't really care about a gold card, but a year subscription of Wizard as the second prize? That seems surprising. The third prize winners would get a set of Image, Wizard, Prism trading cards, numbers one through 10, or a copy of Amazing Spider-Man number 344, the first appearance of Carnage. Wow, that's pretty cool. Again, I think the first prize winners of the trading cards, of the gold trading cards, that should be the last prize, to be honest with you. Okay, so there's only six questions, and I can tell you right now, I am gonna do real bad on this. Real, real bad. So the first question says, Hot Babe from Brigade. It is seven letters. No idea. I don't even know what Brigade is, so too bad. Play more! Question number two, didn't like AI in Wildcats number one. Four letters. Again, I've never read a Wildcats issue, so I don't know what that is. So, strike two. <laughs> okay, the next one is Rob's buttoned jeans. I'm assuming it's Rob Liefeld, and it must stem from some sort of interview they talked about. In a previous issue, it's five letters. So the only thing that I could think of in the 90s that's a pair of jeans that is five letters, oh, there's actually two, you could say, it's either going to be Levi's, which is L-E-V-I-S, or if you guys are 90s kids, you'll remember Janko jeans, J-A-N-K-O. I don't know. I'm gonna say it's Levi's just because I feel like Janko didn't come till much later in the '90s, but it's a good possibility. Okay, question number four. Same as kisses, Gene, and this is seven letters. I'm gonna say that it's Simmons. I would I would assume. I don't know what it's referencing, but S I M M. O-N-S would be seven letters. So yeah, I'm going to go with Simmons. So now the next question, question number five. The bigger he gets, the dumber he gets. And it's only four letters. So I'd have to assume it's Hulk, right? It has to be Hulk. But did he get bigger and dumber? I don't remember. Maybe that was a thing that they had that they've since retconned out of the comics, but I don't remember that at that time. The last one is he's got the Punisher's chest on his face, and it's six letters. There is a villain that has a skull on their face, but I thought it was, like, crossbones or something like that, but this is only six letters, so I don't know what it is. Well, I definitely got Hulk right. I definitely got Simmons right. The jeans, I'm going to have to say it's... Definitely Levi's, but I don't know who this last one is, and the first two, I don't know either. So if you guys know them, please let us know. And that is the Wizard Contest for number 16. Next, let's talk about the What I'm Reading section. And I would like to say that I was reading a lot, but I haven't had the time. I've been reading a lot of the 80th anniversary stuff. So right now I'm in Robin, and I have Catwoman and Green Lantern lined up. They're really great stories. They're 10 bucks a book, but they're really, really cool. They're little mini stories by a bunch of different writers and artists. I'm really enjoying this Robin one when I have minutes to read it. And they have a bunch of different variant covers. And I was able to get my hands on two signed J. Scott Campbell Catwomans. One is the animated series, and the other is... The Batman Returns, Michelle Pfeiffer, they look fantastic. They're actually arriving today, so I can't wait to take a look at them. Check out the 80th Anniversary books on DC. They're really fun. Lastly, I'd like to announce something huge. Huge, huge, huge. Wizards, the podcast guide to comics, now has its own separate feed from the Retro Network on all of our major podcast platforms. So we invite you to subscribe To our personal channel. So now you can find us on iTunes, on Podbean, on Spotify, you name it. We have our own separate feed to check it out. Thank you guys at the Retro Network. Mickey and Jason, they've been killing it for us. They really rock. They're great dudes. We love them and they've been really kind to us and helpful over the past nine months, whatever it is. So whatever you use as your device for listening to podcasts, now you can find us in our own feed. Yeah! Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Wizards Comics and on Instagram at Wizards underscore comics. Thank you so much, and don't forget to keep your books bagged and boarded.